Teach us to pray. Help us to pray like you. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Well, here in um, about three months, which is kind of hard to believe that uh, when I say that number, here in about three months, my wife and I are expecting our first child. And we, yes, thank you. Uh, We are uh, so excited. It is a joy, a roller coaster. And, uh, you know, we've been married for about nine years now. And that, those years have been filled with some really great moments and also some pain and heartache. We decided pretty early on that we wanted to care for kids who needed a loving family, some of which were going through the most chaotic and painful season of their lives. So we, we got to walk through fostering quite a few children and just walking with them through life. And um, those were moments filled with like highs and lows, pain and redemption. And so we also longed in our hearts to start a family. And up until last year, we didn't know if we ever would. We had gone through fertility treatments, and it was August of last year that we were pursuing adoption, honestly kind of discouraged and disheartened by uh, some of the complexity of it, the cost, the details. And then it was in August, that same month, when we were disheartened that we found out we were pregnant. And so Kayla, uh, she, when she told me, it rocked my world. She, uh, and she came up with this clever little way to tell me that she was pregnant, where basically she, like, she blindfolded me, I ha- ate some baby food and stuff. I had no idea what was going on, and uh, she recorded the moment, and I also I had no idea that she was recording. So I thought I'd just share with you the last minute of that recording where she showed me the pregnancy test. Okay, now use your sense of sight. What is this? Oh, Kayla. What does this mean? (laughs) (laughs) Two hours. You're pregnant? Yeah. Thank you for celebrating, also for praying for us. We so appreciate it. Um, You know, I had been a father before as a foster dad, but being a father to my son has just been hitting me in a different way, where um, I've been asking the question, you know, what does it mean to be a father? 
What does it mean? How can I raise my son in a way that launches him into the world and that he, he thrives? How can I father my son in, a, in such a way that our relationship grows and he knows that his dad cares for him? Like, what does it mean for me to father my son? I want to be a dad that guides my son, comforts him, that a dad through which like he can find strength and security and that when he looks to me he's, he's proud to call me dad. I want to be a father intentionally involved in my son's life. Fatherhood. You know, fathers, you have an immense power in the lives of your kids. Research study after research study has demonstrated the effect of a father's intentional presence in the lives of their kids. For example, a dad's involvement, it influences children's problem-solving skills, a formation of a sense of identity and self-worth, their ability to handle stress and develop communication skills. Uh, father's presence affects a kid's overall physical health and even their IQ. Last service, I didn't think that was funny, but some guys started belly laughing about it affecting their IQ, and I, I was concerned for him. <laughs> and then most importantly, it affects a child's faith. The father-child relationship is powerful. Today we're continuing this series on prayer, how to pray, looking to Jesus, just like his disciples did, and asking the question, Lord, teach me to pray. And when his disciples asked that question, this is what, how Jesus began in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. He said, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to, him, said to them, when you pray, say, Father, when you pray, say, Father. This is how Jesus began his prayer, with the word, the name, Father. And as John mentioned last week, this prayer is not just Jesus' prayer. It's the disciples' prayer. It's our prayer. That prayer begins with a relationship with God as Father. This is the starting place of prayer. The word in the original Greek for father is pater. The pater of a family is the nourisher, protector, upholder. The, some, the one that the family belongs to and derives its origin from. So Jesus had a relationship with the, this type of father. To him, the father who he spoke to confidently and securely, but also obediently and reverently. Like, his whole connection with God was immersed in relationship. For the idea, uh, for Jesus, the idea of God as Father, it wasn't just some religious teaching, but it was a reality that he lived every single day. God as his Father, he belonged to his Father and found comfort and security in him. He found strength in that relationship. His identity came from his Father. This connection with Father is the very foundation of prayer. And for Jesus at this time, at, at his time in history, to talk to God this way was absolutely revolutionary. He called God Father. Well, Jesus, claiming this kind of intimate, personal relationship with God, 
was unheard of. The religious leaders, out of reverence for God, refused to even say God's name, Yahweh. So this, an idea of an intimate relationship with God as their father would have been unthinkable and disrespectful. But the disciples, they heard Jesus pray this way often. They heard him pray this way to the Father often. And so I'm sure that they had questions like about his prayer life. I imagine a conversation kind of like this where Peter chimes up, chimes in first, and he's like, guys, have you heard like how Jesus prays to God as Father? It's like he knows him. He seems so connected with God. And John, John pipes up, yeah, I've seen that. How does he have a relationship with God like that? I've never seen it before. So Peter's like, let's go ask him. So they go to Jesus together, and they say, Jesus, teach us to pray. We want to have a relationship with God like you do. We want to pray like you do. We want to know God as Father like you. And so in prayer, we begin with this place of relationship. And then relationship shapes our entire prayer life. In the book, Knowing God, J.I. Packer wrote this. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child, of having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers, in his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctively Christian is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God the Father. That's a strong statement. Fred Craddock was a teacher of preachers, a famous teacher of preachers, and, and he shared a story once while he was lecturing at Yale University. He and his wife had taken a trip to go to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Anyone ever been to Gatlinburg? A beautiful place. And so him and his wife wanted to get away, and so they went out to a quiet restaurant for a meal together. While they're sitting there eating, they notice this distinguished-looking gentleman walking around, mingling with people, and uh, he's just stopping by every table. And so Dr. Craddock, he turns to his wife and he says, I hope he doesn't come over here. <laughs> and sure enough, the man does, right? That's what happens when you want to be left alone. And he comes over. He says, where are you folks from? Oklahoma. Splendid state, I hear. I've never been there. What do you do for a living? I teach homiletics at the Graduate Seminary of Phillips University. Oh, so you teach preachers, do you? Oh, I've got a story I want to tell you. And so he grabs a chair and pulls it up to the table to sit down and tell them a story. Uh, Dr. Craddock said that he groaned internally. Well, the man stuck out his hand. I'm Ben Hooper. I was born not far from here, across the mountains. My mother wasn't married when I was born, so I had a hard time. When I started to school, my classmates, they had a name for me, and it wasn't a very nice name. 
I used to go off by myself at recess and during lunchtime because the taunts of my playmates cut so deeply. What was worse was going downtown on Saturday afternoon and feeling every eye burning a hole through you. It's like they were all just wondering who my real father was. When I was about 12 years old, a new preacher came to our church. And I would always go in late and slip out early. But one day, the preacher said the benediction so fast that I got caught. I had to walk out with the crowd. I could feel every eye in church on me. Just about the time I got to the door, I was about out, and I felt a hand on my shoulder. I looked up, and the preacher was looking right at me. Who are you, son? Whose boy are you? I felt the old weight on me. It was like a big black cloud. Even the preacher was putting me down. But then as he looked at me, studying my face, he began to smile a big smile of recognition. Wait a minute, he said. I know who you are. I see the family resemblance. You are a son of God. And with that, he patted my back and said, boy, you've got a great inheritance. Go and claim it. The old man, he looked across the table at Fred Craddock and he said, that was the, the single most important sentence ever said to me. He left the table, he, he said goodbye and went, went around to mingle with other people. And after he left the table, Fred Craddock remembered that it was on two occasions that the people of Tennessee elected a governor to a, a man to be governor that was an illegitimate, and one of them was Ben Hooper, this gentleman. When we discover who our father is, it can change our lives. Now, a reality is this. Some of us need our idea of what a father is rewritten, reconstructed. Because maybe your father has hurt you, left you, or abused you. The name Father elicits all sorts of agony in your soul. Well, God wants to rewrite the narrative of what a father can be to you because it, it can change the way you relate to him. Lee Strobel said in A Case for Grace, at the time, I was oblivious to the fact that a young person's relationship with his father can greatly color his attitude toward God. I wasn't aware that many well-known atheists throughout history had felt abandoned or deeply disappointed with their fathers, making it less likely they would want to know a heavenly father. If your father has left you hurt you, abandoned you, abused you, I want to say, I want you to know you never deserved that. And God wants to rewrite what a father can be to you. He wants to show you how as your heavenly father, he cares. He sees you. He's a father who loves. He's a father who is present. He's a father that will never leave you, and he wants to work in your life. He wants to be there for you. When we realize this about our father in heaven, it can change everything about the way that we pray. 
We begin to speak up because we got a heavenly father that cares. In John chapter 11, we find the story of Jesus in pain. He had just lost one of his good friends, Lazarus. Lazarus had died, and Jesus wept. His heart ached at the loss of his friend. And so Jesus and the family members of Lazarus, they go to Lazarus's tomb, and it's outside Lazarus's tomb that Jesus says this prayer in verse 41. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. It's kind of a bizarre prayer at the moment because his friend just died, and I'm sure his, everyone around is like, wait, you're saying God hears you, but Lazarus is dead. Well, Jesus said this for the sake of those around him, and he proceeded to raise Lazarus from the dead through the power of God. But in this we see that Jesus spoke up to God because his heavenly Father listened. God always hears. God always hears. Now, some of you have gotten to a place in your life where uh, maybe you stop speaking up because it feels like God isn't listening, like he doesn't care. Maybe it's through years of battling a, a chronic sickness or illness that hasn't gone away, or because of broken relationships that are in your life that aren't improving, or due to the suffering that you see around you, it feels like God isn't listening or that he doesn't care. But I'm here to tell you that he does. He is always listening. He always hears, and he wants to hear from you. So second, God is our father. It leads us also to speak often to speak often. As John mentioned last week, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. Jesus, um, he didn't do that because he was required to. He did that because he loved his heavenly father and he wanted to connect with him. With God as our father, we begin to speak often. We lean into the relationship and find comfort and strength in his presence. Notice that Jesus didn't say, if you pray, but when you pray, say, Father. Now, prayer, it doesn't come naturally or by accident. The current of society pulls for our attention of a thousand different directions. Something's vying for our attention. And so to spend time with God in prayer requires intentionality. It requires focus and discipline and effort. But prayer and um, a relationship with God is, is like this cycle that we, we need prayer, communication with God. We need prayer to form a relationship, but then a relationship with God fuels our prayer life. It's like uh, this cycle where we, we pray to form a connection with God, and that connection with God keeps us coming back to him. And it snowballs into deeper intimacy with God. God wants intimacy, not mediocrity. He wants a relationship with you, and relationships take work. They take time. They take communication and investment. They don't happen accidentally. And then third, God, as our Father, leads us to speak freely to speak freely with him. 
I remember the first time I was challenged to speak freely with God in college. Our professor in spiritual formations class was talking about uh, David and the way that David prayed in the book of Psalms. And if you read the book of Psalms, like some of his prayers are just raw, they're real, they're honest, almost cringy at times how real he is with God. But he's honest with him. David spoke freely with God. Uh, He was capable of being fully himself and being fully known by God. And for me, I see in these, in every season of my life when I've been through, going through pain and I'm speak freely with God or I'm struggling with sin and I speak freely with God, I grow in intimacy with him. It takes my relationship with God to a whole other level because God already knows what's going on. He knows the pain. We see this also in the life of Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus pled with his father that there could be a different way. Jesus wept. He was in agony with God. And so he brought all of himself freely before the Father. How could it change your life if you were real with God? If you didn't pretend like what's going on isn't going on, because God already knows the elephant in the room. He already knows what you're going through. When we're real with him, we essentially are inviting him into the mess of our lives where he can do his work in us. So we speak up. We speak often and we speak freely when we have a heavenly father that cares. This is the foundation of prayer. In this, uh, you know, in a similar way that our earthly fathers can have a large impact on our lives, our heavenly father can have an untold impact on us, where our Heavenly Father, He wants to rewrite the narrative of our lives, to give us newness, to give us life, to forgive us. When we're adopted into His family, we find freedom and purpose. We belong to God, and we become co-heirs with Christ. You've got an inheritance (laughs) through Him that we can go and claim. And so we, like Jesus, we derive our identity and our sense of purpose from the one to whom we belong. When you pray, say, Father. When you pray, say, Father, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Like Jesus, when we pray, say, Father, and let our our prayers flow from a relationship with a God who loves us, cares for us, sees us, and knows us intimately. God wants to be your Father. God wants to be your Father. This is where prayer begins. And so if you've never entered into a relationship with God as Father, the first thing I want to do is invite you to do that. You can by taking Jesus as your Lord and Savior and being baptized into new life in Christ, being adopted into the family of God with new life. 
Now, if you, maybe you do, you are a part of the family of God, but you've neglected your relationship with God as Father. You've, um, maybe it's been for a season or for a long time. Maybe you've gone through a hard season and you've drifted. I want to encourage you to start speaking to him again. Cultivate your relationship with him because it can change your life. Or maybe you're at a place in your life where you have a relationship with the Father and your call is to help other people find the family of God, to become a part of the family. So our challenge is to join Discipling Boot Camp. We've been talking about this uh, off and on, but it's essentially a three-part training to help us become people that bring Jesus to others and to help people get adopted into the family of God. That is what this is, a training to help people find and follow Jesus. And I'd encourage you to consider being a part of it, maybe as a group, as a family, or uh, what have you. But regardless, God wants to be your father, and he wants to be the father of all. Let's pray. Father, we find our everything in you. You are our strength. You are our security. You're the one to whom we belong. You're our nourisher and provider. You're the one that takes care of us and walks with us through anything that we could ever go through. Father, we need you and we want you. I pray for any person in this room that wrestles with the idea of you as father because of the pain a dad has caused them. God, I ask that you would bring healing and restoration and newness to their relationship with you where they can find healing in their connection with you, God. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself as father to all of us that our prayer lives would take on that level of intimacy just like Jesus. Lord, teach us to pray. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.